Galatians 5, starting at verse 19, Galatians 5, 19 through 26. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I always told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, we thank you for your truth that is everlasting and eternal. And Lord, let us not take the things that are sacred lightly, uh, but Lord, let us look upon your truth and let it change us forever. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, unless you've been living in a cave for the past 20 years, you know that this is called a smartphone. Uh, my smartphone has a name, and it's Smart Alec because this phone thinks it's smarter than I am. Well, it, in the past few weeks, I have proven it to not be as smart as me because it keeps telling me that it's fixing to rain. Okay? <laughs> and it's been lying to me for the past several... It, it lied to me this morning. It said it was going to rain. Now, it's a pretty smart device, but maybe it can clear that up. Now, it has a sister companion. This is Smart Alec. And... This is Smarty Pants. Okay. Smarty Pants does some other things that Smart Alec doesn't do. Smarty Pants, they talk to each other. And at some point, if I'm sitting down, it tells me when to stand up. It tells me that I'm not breathing right. It tells me that I need to take a break if my heart's... Okay. These things are way too smart for me. And they know it and they show off that they're smarter than me. One thing that this smartphone does, if you were to take it right now, take it out to my car and set it on the dashboard in the middle of the summer, in the middle of all this heat, something's going to happen. The first thing that's going to happen in that heat, if I don't attend to it and I just leave it there, it's going to give a warning. It's going to tell you, hey, I am too hot. You need to take action. You need to cool me down. So the first thing it's going to do is give a warning. If I don't attend to it, eventually it's going to shut down. It's going to go into self-preservation. It's going to go into survival mode. It's just going to shut down. If I don't attend to it then, it's going to die. It's going to fry. The past few years, we have lived under a lot of stress. Between COVID and the political environment and all things around us, we're a lot like this phone. The people in the world have been stressed. We've been overheated. And the first thing that happens is that as people, sometimes we give off warning signs. We give off a, a message that something's not right. But if we don't pay attention to that or we don't see it because we're too busy doing our own little thing, or maybe nobody's there to see it. 
Teachers see this all the time with students that come in. They're like the overheated phone. They're giving off warning messages. And if nobody attends to it, then they go into shutdown mode. Now, when you're in shutdown mode, it looks like you're doing okay. You're just kind of flat. And when you're in shutdown mode, nobody gives you attention because it looks like you're doing okay when really you're just surviving. And then eventually, if nothing is attended to then, then there's death. It doesn't begin with physical death usually, but they begin to shut down. They first die mentally, morally, spiritually, emotionally. Well, the people that are in the shutdown mode or in the survival mode, the only thing that they have that keeps them connected to humanity is their anger. Their anger protects them. It keeps them alive. It keeps them from being disappointed. And so they hang on to that anger because it gives them a sense of humanity and being alive. The problem with doing that is that we know in Scripture, when the sun sets on that anger, Satan gets a foothold and it becomes something else. That anger is either turned inward or it's turned outward or both. We've seen evidence of this in the past few months with the the shootings in schools and churches and public marketplace. There's a lot of people out there that are broken smartphones, overheated smartphones. Some of them are right next to us. Some of them are right beside us. Some of them are in our workplace. Some of them are people we interact with every single day. Some are in the shutdown mode and it looks like they're functioning okay. Others are dying spiritually, emotionally, and perhaps physically. Because of that overheatedness, it leaves you in a place of neediness. They're in need of something. If you get past needy, you get to a place of desperateness. And that's where the world comes in. The world offer, offers a counterfeit. and says, I can meet those needs. I can help you in that overheated, overstressed kind of thing. And the, the world is there to offer that counterfeit. But that counterfeit only leaves the person more empty, and it doesn't satisfy. The counterfeit feels good for a season, for temporary feel good. The world has to offer something that gives you an instant feel good, makes you feel alive just for a little bit, but it's a counterfeit. But it never satisfies our needs that were intended to be filled with God's eternal love. Let me ask you some questions, some things to ponder. What is your reality? Is it things of this world? Or is it eternal things? What do you treasure? Things that corrupt and fail? Or the eternal promises of God? What we treasure will impact the fruit that we produce. If I treasure the things of this world, then my fruit will reflect it. There's an old phrase that says, listen to words and trust the behavior. Repetition over time. The, if I treasure the things of this world, then my fruit will reflect it. Repeated fruit bears witness to one's character or lack of. The world is watching our fruit.
The world has only the testimony of our behavior to judge our true faith and treasure, what we treasure. If an unchurched person has no understanding of Christianity, walks into this building, they're going to hear us using some strange language that they're not going to understand. And the chances of an unchurched person walking in there, I'm not going to eliminate it, but the odds are pretty much against it. They're going to hear strange words like Deuteronomy. We may say, okay, turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Their first thought was, what's a Deuteronomy? Then they're going to go, I didn't know we were supposed to bring a book, and there's a book about this Deuteronomy? And we might try to explain it to them. Well, no, Deuteronomy is a book in the Bible. Now, wait a minute, I thought the Bible was a book. So there are books inside of this book. Most people call these chapters. No, there's chapters inside the books that are inside the book. They're not going to understand. The chances of that happening are pretty slim. But we have the opportunity every day to show the unchurched, the fallen, through the fruit of our behavior, who we belong to. The world has only the testimony of our behavior to judge our true faith. What does our behavior say? What does our faith say? The world can mimic the fruit of the Spirit. They can redefine it to their pleasing, but a severe imitation. Human fruit has a string attached to it. God's love doesn't. It wants something in return. A man can love his wife with all the love a human heart can offer, but is incapable of loving his wife as Christ loved a church. That comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. Sadly, sometimes the world does a better job with its imitation fruit than Christians when we produce bitter and tasteless fruit. I'm going to say this more than once. If Christians consistently produce genuine fruit of the Spirit, the whole world would be changed. If Christians consistently produce genuine fruit of the Spirit, the whole world would be changed. That's the testimony of who we belong to. The stressed, wounded, broken would not seek the false answers of the world or they come away even more empty. Maybe we could become more sensitive to the warning signs of someone who's overheated or stressed. Maybe we could intervene with the satisfying fruit of his comforting, counseling, guiding spirit. Now let's take a look at the fruit of the spirit that we mentioned in the scriptures and how it contrasts with what the world has to offer. Now, I'll tell you this ahead of time. Uh, Chris will appreciate this. A lot of the, the, the definitions here come from John MacArthur's commentary. Uh, and so I'm not as smart, so these aren't, don't, I didn't make these up. They come from commentary. Let's look at love. And the love that's talking about here is agape love. And it's, a Greek, it's Greek for that love is a choice. It's not referring to emotional affection. It's not referring to physical attraction or familiar bond, like what we have in our families. It involves respect, devotion, affection that leads to willing, self-sacrificial service. All the other fruit begins with this love. This is the beginning point. This is the foundation for the other fruit. This fruit is a fabric that connects all the other fruit of his spirit. 
Now here's what the world has to offer. If you see me on the side of the road and I've been involved in a wreck, it's because I rear-ended someone who has a bumper sticker that says love is love. If I see one more bumper sticker that says love is love, I'm going to rear-end them because it's not true. There's a difference. And what the world is talking about is that the world tends to connect the emotional and physical components to love. This type of love tends to create a very powerful chemical bond which tends to supersede familial love. When agape love is not set as a foundation, then the chemical bond or high of physical and emotional love must be constantly recreated. The fear becomes getting old, losing your physical attraction, and thus losing the love. Many worldly relationships are built upon emotional dependency and not God dependency. It's like an addiction. I must re recreate that emotional high, that physical high, and therefore I must chase it. It's got a string attached to it. I can't live without you is a comment that's only reserved to Christ, but that's the world that we live in that talks about if living without you, I can't live without you. The 70s is full of songs like that, full of emotional dependency upon another person. That's not real fruit. Joy. Joy that's based upon unchanging divine promises, eternal spiritual realities. It is secure. Beyond the veil, it is secure. Not based upon favorable circumstances. It is a gift from God. We delight in the eternal blessings we already possess. You cannot be any more loved than what you are right now. You cannot be any more desired, wanted, accepted, validated. You're going to live for eternity by the God of the universe. That's reality. What is your reality? The world says, when things go my way, yeah, then I'll love you. There's a string attached of love. If my need is met, then I'll love you. Except it is externally controlled by the situations and relationships around me. It is based upon the finite and temporal things of this world, a constant chasing for the next joy fix, an ecclesiastical search for joy which ends in emptiness. We have the opportunity to show real joy to the world around us that's feeding on the counterfeit. Peace, inner calm, no longer at enmity with God, Joy and peace is not externally controlled, but internally secure. Paul maintained the constant connection between joy and peace, eternally secure. We carry this with us. External chaos does not affect the inner secure peace. When I worked at Lakeside, the last six years I worked in inpatient psychiatric care. I worked in a Christ-centered program called RAFA. And a lot of the patients that would come in were struggling with hopelessness and despair. And as they began to rely upon God's truth and as they got better, they also experienced peace and joy for the first time in their life for a lot of people. And they didn't want to leave. And my point was, uh, you're in a psychiatric hospital and you don't want to leave? It's because they experienced peace. And they did not understand that the peace was not external. It wasn't in the group they were in. It wasn't in their doctor. 
that what they had is that peace went with them. That's what we have. It is secure. It is eternal. We carry that into the world around us. And so we carry that peace of God with us. The world says emotional dependency with another person. I'm at peace as long as I have this connection with somebody else. Externally controlled by others, circumstances, or drugs. Cannot handle conflict, disrespect, rejection, or disapproval. The peace is externally controlled. You see a theme here? It's externally controlled. It's not internally secure. We have an opportunity to show the world this peace. Long-suffering or patience. Ability to endure injuries inflicted by others. Willingness to accept irritating and difficult situations. Sounds like marriage. Sounds like marriage. <laughs> we will hurt and wound each other. Either through omission or commission. Comes with the territory. God's spirit produces fruit which endures and accepts the difficult and irritating habits of others. We irritate each other as humans, but when we're long-suffering through his fruit and that patience that comes from him. The world says, it's all about me. Me, me, me. If you injure or irritate me, then you must change to keep me safe. Once again, patience is externally controlled. I will be patient as long as you meet my needs. It's like talking to a two-year-old that you tell them no. That's how the world operates. We have an opportunity to show something different, the real fruit of the Spirit. Kindness. Tender concern for others. Treat others gently, just as the Lord treats others, as he treats his believers. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling Calling, O sinner, come home. God whispers to us because he's kind. He's also powerful and big, and we are weak and afraid. He's kind. No one ever came to the Lord by yelling angry, unkind words at them. Be kind just because. Sadly, sometimes the world does a better job of this than us. We live in a world that has lost kindness. It is amazing to me. We are not kind in any form or fashion. We bully the weak in social media. Unkind language is a part of every comics routine. We are unkind and disrespectful of adults and authority. We are unkind regarding people with disabilities, the unborn, the elderly. We no longer take the time to be kind and say please and thank you. We have an opportunity to show kindness. When I was putting this together, I was really convicted by this because of the many opportunities I have missed to be kind. And I was going down down Poplar into a building and stuff, and it's like God was just really convicting me to do the little things of kindness, to hold that door, to say something to that person, to encourage them. Just be kind. It is a huge void in our world today. We've lost it. You never know when one act of kindness might affect someone who is in distress or shut down. Goodness, moral and spiritual excellence manifested in active kindness. Believers are commanded to do this. The world says, I will be good to you only if you are good to me. I will behave as long as I get my way. 
goodness is a facade. We hear things like, he was such a good child, and one day he just snapped. Once again, it is externally controlled and not internally conceived and delivered. When I first looked at this, I thought of Eddie Haskell. I'll leave it to Beaver. He did a good image. There's nothing inside. Faithfulness, loyalty, and trustworthiness. Principles and integrity. In the world, principles are fluid and are based upon social trends and rooted in self-indulgence. I'm faithful to myself to that own self be true. We have an opportunity to show the world what real faithfulness looks like. Gentleness. Meekness. Humble and gentle attitude. This describes three attitudes. Submission to the will of God. Teachability. Consideration of others. If you interact with the public, especially if you're a teacher, you've seen the absence of this in the world. Submission to the will of God, teachability, considerations of others. The world says regarding gentleness that humble equals weak. Arrogance and self-promotion are more valuable. A facade of gentleness when it benefits me. And finally, self-control. Restraining passions and appetites. Saying no to your flesh. The world says, do what makes you happy. It's the American way. And that what we want for our children? We just want our children to be happy. Don't know. <laughs> That's not it. The world rejects any limits and boundaries. You're infringing upon me if you put any limits upon me. None of us can claim to have a perfect record in this. We've all fallen short of this. We've all leaned toward our flesh and produced fake fruit from time to time. So none of us are perfect in this. We've all fallen short. We all have situations where we revert back to self-reliance and old habits. The good news is that God uses our failures as a witness, as a testimony for his grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Our challenge each day is to ask him to use us as a vessel of his fruit. Let me say this one more time. I believe if we do, then we will radically change the world that is overheated by stress and just trying to survive. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we confess that we've often not submitted to the works of your spirit in our lives, and that... Lord, we have often produced fake fruit, but Lord, we know that we also belong to you, and Lord, let us submit each day and see opportunities to show the world what real fruit of your spirit is, and Lord, knowing that you can use us as a testimony to those uh, who have gone hungry, and Lord, those who have shut down. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace and forgiveness. In Christ's name we come. Amen.